wonder about uh, a lot of things. Why do I have a home and a family and work? Healthy body, quiet space, equipment, and uh, a mind in the drive and the flexibility to create something like this. <laughs> Why is there a work crew next to my sound booth today? I don't know. I didn't plan on that, and there's a lot of things I don't plan on. But still, they are. Does it mean anything specific? Or is it just, as a friend of mine would put it, the weather? I wonder. And if you ask me, wondering is always a good use of time. My name's Ransom, and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome to the double RA. It's going to be a right rowdy atmosphere up in this place. If this is your first time hearing the show, I hope you're buckled up, because I'm in a bit of a weird mood today. So it should be fun. Not only that, there's a work crew just outside the sound booth here in the Burbank Central Library, and I know they got to do their work, so uh, you're going to hear some background drilling, some sawing. I'll try to cover it up, but uh, who knows what's going to happen. Just like I said, buckle up. Despite all that, today will be full of homespun wisdom, back porch blues. Going to take a meandering thought journey, and I hope you enjoy it. Whatever's going on in your life right now, I hope you find a refuge. I hope you find a few moments of peace. I hope you find some light to take with you on your journey. And if so, hold it high, friend, and pass it on. Well, like I said, I'm sure you can hear him now. There's a <laughs> there's a work crew right outside the booth. Literally, there's the padding of the wall, there's the shell of the booth, and there's a giant area that they're renovating, which is cool. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great area that's renovated, but uh, it's going to create a little bit of interesting background noise. You're probably going to hear some of my cuts. I usually try to hide those, but I may not be able to today, so uh, bear with me. But I am in a bubbly frame of mind. It's almost 80 degrees here in Burbank, California in February. So for any of you people listening across the country who are enjoying chilly temperatures, I send you my deepest condolences. But I guess, you know, L.A. still does have terrible traffic, so you win some, you lose some. (laughs) Oh, I hope you can hear that drilling. Maybe you can't. Maybe I'll be able to edit it out. That would be awesome. And I could just cut this entire thing. But I'm really not sure. Anyway, we're just going to go for it. And it's going to be a good time. Wherever you are, what do you say we lower that shoulder and plow ahead, huh? Because it's ramble time.
As I stand here in the booth in beautiful Burbank, California, with the work crew just outside, I'm in a state of wonder. You know, the beautiful sunshine at the shocking good fortune that I've been blessed to enjoy. I'm struck by something. The world is astonishing all the way down. History, change, the rolling slosh of social currents. What is all this? And how am I even here to ask? Look at the world immediately around you. Look at the world out beyond you that you can access through your technology. It's astounding. It's it's mind-bending. It is so far beyond our ability to wrap our brains and consciousness around, and yet it is. There it is. You can see it. You're hearing my voice right now through tiny electronic particles soaring through thin air. That's amazing! It fills me with wonder, and it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder why makes me wonder how. It makes me wonder how sometimes we can walk around in a haze and just miss things. And wonder isn't the only word to express this feeling. And maybe a better one would be awe at how good coffee is, how music makes us feel, that love can exist, that it can be broken and healed. That emotion can be translated into music and back. That we can, against all odds, understand each other and connect. That things we can't even remember influence us so deeply for our entire lives. I'm left with so many questions and a deep sense of gratitude that I'm around to ask them. It's true, there's not just beauty, there's horror as well. And that makes us wonder about who's running the show, about what that being is thinking and doing and working, about whether he's wise, and whether we even have the right to ask. But ask we do. And I know I'm not the only one who spends their days wondering about this and many other topics. What do you say we wonder together today, huh? Let's see if we can't uh, float up above all that construction noise into the upper reaches and find something new. Let's kick things off today with an old classic. You know me, I'm a writer and I love words. And just the idea of them is a wondrous thing, right? They're just noises that we train our brains to understand. And they can obscure meaning and intent as much as they can communicate it. Where did words come from? Where did language evolve from? Why do we need it? Right? We watch the rest of the animal kingdom communicate to each other with... Nothing close to the language that we have, but they seem to understand each other. At least in a fundamental sense. They know how to operate around each other. They know how to do what needs to be done to propagate their respective species. But they're not 
talking like we talk. They don't write things down. But we have words. Depending on what language we speak, we can be unbelievably nuanced in one area and utterly confusing in another. I love looking at the differences between languages, the way they choose to express certain ideas, how one language can have one word for such an unbelievably complex topic that we take a sentence to describe in English. And then there's other languages like Spanish that are older, more formal, that take their time saying certain things that we just, bam, fire off. And if you dig down one more level, it's even crazier to consider that the meanings behind the words that we choose, they exist in some realm without words, right? We're, we're pulling them down from some sort of cloud and defining them, choosing ways to describe them, choosing a rhythm and a syntax and ways to move our mouth in ways that other people that speak the same language will understand. But those ideas are beyond language. They're somehow inscrutable, and they exist, whether or not we ever speak them, despite the limited tools that we have to capture them. How many writers and artists out there can commiserate when I say that sometimes I just can't find the words to describe an idea or a feeling or a situation that is real? It exists. I can sense it. But I just can't put the right words to it. That's all fascinating. I'm grateful for words, and I'm glad that I get to be a wordsmith, that that is my chosen art form. It's a, a humbling gift. But as I wonder about words, I wonder about that other plane, where meaning comes from, where meaning exists, independent of our speech. How do we get there? How do we connect to that? except through words, emotion maybe, intuition, transcendent experiences, moments of pain or pleasure that are so intense as to defy description. And how often do we say that? That defies description. Yet it, whatever it is in that sentence, is still real, even though we can't grasp it or explain it. Crazy. But maybe I'm making this sound too bleak, right? Words have incredible power. They may not be able to capture everything, but they can capture some pretty amazing things. The greatest writers of all cultures have proved that. The greatest love poems, the greatest lyrics, the greatest sacred writings. The things that lovers whisper to each other when there's no one else around. They hold unbelievable meaning. And we express that through words. Why? How exactly? I'm not sure. But I do wonder. And I'm grateful. Here's something interesting that I always wonder about. What's up with advertising? What a 
crazy phenomenon is that? I wrote down this thought. Advertising wouldn't work if people didn't want something. Yeah, need something. Why do we listen to or, or watch or consume the media that we do? To make our lives less boring, more interesting, more exciting, more dramatic? But what does that say about our lives? You know, doesn't it indicate that people who had more exciting, interesting lives wouldn't have time to consume all that media, right? They'd be out there doing. They'd be out there living. Maybe it means we should be looking less for our next binge-worthy show and more for our next life-worthy adventure. Hmm. And where do you take that? I mean, we need stories. Every culture is built on them. Humanity, very clearly, cannot survive without them. And I've talked about that in other episodes. We need great heroes and great adventures that happen only in our minds or that we take and consume that way, even though they've happened in history. We all find a story that we base our lives on. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But it is interesting to think of certain figures throughout history that we know about who didn't have all these books and podcasts and movies and TV shows, but who lived an unbelievably adventurous life. I suppose they had some form of that, right? Every culture would have either stories told around a campfire or later on. You know, I'm thinking of Jack London, right? That dude lived an unbelievably adventurous life, but he was a writer and he did have books and was inspired by those. So it's not like those myths weren't around. But I wonder, for those of us who are longing for more excitement and scratching that itch by reading certain books or watching certain shows or even participating in certain hobbies, are we actually pushing away a true adventure that might be right nearby, that we'd rather be living, but just don't have the vision or the courage to step out and do it? And again, that would be my assertion. The reason advertising is so powerful is that most of us are not living that adventure. Most of us feel the need for something. And ultimately, I have a theory about where that comes from, but I'm not talking about the deepest meaning. I mean just meaning all the way up and down. Comfort is not meaning. A nice house, a nice car. You know, they're great joys, it's true. But there's a greater joy out there that comes from a harrowing journey. And that's interesting. And it makes me wonder. I will say, though, that sometimes this conversation can make you feel like your life is meaningless and mundane when that may not be the case at all. I'm going to talk to a filmmaker friend of mine here in a couple weeks about how human interactions, even on a micro level, can be unbelievably fraught and interesting and adventurous and, and nuanced. And, and those are the kind of films he likes to make. And I think, I think they prove that adventure doesn't need to be some grand cross-world voyage. It can be talking to that stranger that you've seen in the same coffee shop every day for a year and just never talked to. I think we crave transcendent significance. Oh, here comes a drill. Hang on, everybody. Yeah, I don't have time to wait for it. Here we go. I think we crave transcendence, significance, uh, risk, and a feeling that we are out on open water, relying on our own courage. 
that brings the kind of life that we need, that we were made to experience. And why is that? I could ramble about this one all day, y'all, but I'll wrap it up on this one and bring it back in with some blues. But let me end with this. If you got an adventure waiting out in front of you, breathe deep and dive in. Hey, can we talk about Army of the Dead for a second? Anybody else know the movie I'm talking about? That Zack Snyder zombie Las Vegas epic that's on Netflix? Yeah, I just I just uh, watched that recently. I finished it, I should say. Right now I only have the time to watch 15 minutes of uh, whatever it is that I'm screening every day because I got a lot of writing, a lot of work, a lot of family. But at least it works, right? At least I make my way through things sort of like reading the book and chapters. It's also good practice as a screenwriter to kind of see if I can figure out where the sequence breaks are. So I'm I'm analyzing the movie as I go along, which is, yeah, it's good. It's good discipline. And at least it means I'm watching things again. But man, that movie, oh goodness. <laughs> it, was, it was off the chain in so many ways, but ultimately engrossing. I always love watching those films where a ragtag bunch of warriors goes into certain death and in some way comes out victorious even if they have to make great sacrifices i got a few thoughts to share about that film first like any monster movie it tends to uh play with time in a way that it becomes unconvincing in some moments like wait a minute they're surrounded by zombies they're in this kind of corridor they're doing this what about all those other people we just watched get totally destroyed but uh, our main characters seem to have superhuman speed and strength and aim and uh, more stupid zombies okay Whatever. <laughs> I get it, man. It's it's hard making a movie. I'm not denigrating what they had to do to get it done, but you know how it is. Every now and again, you'll catch yourself in the back of your mind thinking, they'd be dead by now. But we want to go along for the ride, so we stick around. Second, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, I'll say, by all the, the stop-downs. You know, there was a really good emotional heart to it. You know, a father-daughter relationship that was trying to be mended, a man trying to find... Love at the end of his life after incredible loss. Diverse and diverging people helping each other. Bad guys getting their comeuppance. If you remember the tiger scene, you know what I'm talking about. There were some dramatic arcs that did feel a little bit truncated, which is amazing because it was an over two-hour movie. But the ones that were there were nice. I think if you go in with slightly low expectations, you'll really enjoy it. If, you know, action zombie movies are your kind of thing. But I just have to say, it's it's kind of a stunning achievement to have completed that movie, to have gotten it financed and gotten it made and uh, created something that is just, it's just bonkers, everybody. <laughs> if you need a little bonkers in your life, Army of the Dead on Netflix. Seriously. Make some popcorn, get some candy, and hopefully you have a big enough TV to make it uh, a cinematic experience. Yo, Cinema Craptaculous guys, why don't you guys take that one on? Maybe it's too good. I don't know. Or maybe it's just good enough to not quite be in your wheelhouse. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I would I would be interested to hear you guys do that. John, Dave, and Stephanie, consider the gauntlet thrown down. What movies do you really enjoy that you think are also kind of nutty like that? Send me an email. I'd love to check them out. 
I'm always watching something. So uh, <laughs> if, you, if you'd like to give me an experience that I won't soon forget, I am game. All right, that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Let's move on. Here's some more blues. I shall return. interesting thought the other day that I want to share with you. Uh, kind of goes back to one of the most fundamental questions of human existence. Why is there evil? How can there be a God who is all-powerful? Well, I'll put it this way. Who has all power, knows all that can be known, and apparently is ultimately purely all good, and yet there's evil in the world. How can that be? And what's funny is this is only a dilemma if you believe in a higher power. Right? If if there is no higher power, then evil is just pain and cruelty and selfishness. Though I would say cruelty and selfishness actually carry a depth of meaning that goes beyond just circumstances. So I think using those words, even you kind of you have a value system that you're putting in place. So if there is no ultimate transcendent, ethereal space in which morality has certain absolutes, then terms like good and evil don't make any sense. Asking the question about how can bad things happen doesn't make any sense. This is only a dilemma for those people of faith like me who assert that there is someone in control and watching and who cares. Because the obvious thing to point out is, if God cares and he could stop bad things from happening, then he should or he would. I think that's the thing to attack when you, you argue about this question. But that's a little bit of a bigger topic. Maybe I'll do another time. Right now, the thought that I had that, that interested me and that I wanted to share with you, it goes like this. If there is a God who's good, then he is responsible for justice. Justice is his job. It's like... When people see something horrible happen and say, man, somebody should do something, that somebody should be God, right? It's his job to do something. But as I thought about this more, I realized there's kind of a hidden condition in there. He should do something about it right now, where I can see it, where it'll be what I would do. Not that what we would do would necessarily be wrong, but I think we can admit that many times the justice that we would meet out could be pretty self-centered and self-focused and actually unjust. Might be more like vengeance than justice. Another thought came to me like this. God may not meet out justice the way we think he should or when we think he should, but justice doesn't have to be immediate to be commensurate. In other words, just because it doesn't happen right away doesn't mean that justice won't be done. But again, this is all if you believe that justice is a concept that is beyond human opinion. Which if there is no higher being, then, then there is no such thing as justice beyond human opinion. And opinions change across history. So it's like, yeah, I wonder why bad things happen to people, but conceiving that there's no ultimate hand behind everything doesn't actually solve the problem. Because if there's no one up there keeping score, no one up there trying to help us make things better and we're on our own 
then we have no one to blame for all this but us, right? Ah. I don't know. This this conversation can drive you to some pretty cynical places. No matter what your philosophy. Because it's been far too obvious throughout human history that uh, the more of us get together, the more things happen that require a response of justice. That make us ask, where is justice? Why do we do these things to each other? Why doesn't somebody do something? That's not a question I can find a satisfying answer to in one little ramble. It's a lifelong journey. And I would say we need to keep wondering about that. And trying to make it less of a question for as many people as possible. And hoping for and working toward a day when justice will win out. I believe that day is coming. Though I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to it or dreading it. Guess it depends on the day. I don't know why things happen the way they do. Guess I'll just have to keep wondering about that one. Think I'll be wondering about it for the rest of my life. So in the, the mornings when I spend a little time meditating, praying and reading and studying, all that, uh, I like to listen to just some sort of bluesy music, whether it's a praise song or worship song or just something something good, you know, something juicy. And I found a track that I enjoyed for the most part, but the funny thing was one of the instruments was out of tune, like noticeably. There's one particular string that was, I think, flat. And it kind of blew my mind. I'm like, why did they record with an instrument with a flat string? Why would you do that? Now, first of all, I have to say I can't judge. I'm sure some of you have listened to some of my tracks and you're hearing some of the flat strings. Trust me, I have plans to upgrade the music, I promise, as soon as I have time. So I'm not judging, but I think it's pretty obvious to those of us with keen ears when something is just a little bit out of tune and how that can drive us crazy. You know, maybe it was a special instrument that they really enjoyed playing and they, they tuned it up the best they could and it's just old and it's just cool that they recorded with that instrument. Maybe that's the story of the song. And I respect that. But it kind of opened me up to this idea that uh, people are like that too, right? You know, we're all a little bit out of tune. At least to the ears of somebody else, right? We all kind of have a, uh, I'll say, a tuning which will make sense to guitar players, that we like, that we use to kind of play our lives, but we're not pitch perfect. And, and the way we sound might be really grating to some people. And it's important to remember that. I'm not saying you shouldn't sing your song. I'm just saying be ready for the fact that not everybody's going to like it. Like this podcast, for instance. 
It's what I enjoy doing. I really just love thinking out loud, letting people listen in. But as the numbers would show, it's, it's not really everybody's thing. And that's all right. Some songs aren't meant to break open wide, you know? Doesn't mean they're not worth singing. Just because your instrument sounds a little weird doesn't mean it isn't worth playing. Just because you're out of tune doesn't mean you should be silent. Apologies, I'm about to mix metaphors, but we talked a lot about this at film school. You know, finding your voice, the way that you see and express story and the world around you. How that's what sets you apart as an artist and a storyteller, I would say a musician and a person. Not that you're utterly unique, because there's similarities between all our worldviews based on different upbringing and experiences and that kind of thing, but the specific contours of your lens are completely yours. And no one else can show the world what the world looks like through that lens except for you. Using whatever medium that you feel gifted to use. Even more interesting when it comes to music is the idea that different genres can make people feel the same emotions. There can be sad ballads, sad blues songs, sad rock songs, sad lounge music. And I would say it's all trying to communicate the same depth of sadness. How interesting is that? Again, there's some meaning out there that all of these expressions are trying to grab onto and bring down for us to better understand. And just because our instrument may be a little bit out of tune doesn't mean we shouldn't be playing it and trying to bring those things that we see and hear out to others. I mean, to ourselves, too. I think we need to do that. I think without that, we wither which is, again, another reason for this podcast. These thoughts are always going through my head. I'm sure I'm not the only one that they might have value for. At the very least, saying them out loud and making them into this format brings life to me and creates a chance for these words and music to bring life to others. And that's worth doing, even though imperfectly. I'm going to keep doing it, y'all. Trying to keep getting better. Because I think I can tune my instrument a little bit better, a little bit more, and make it more pleasant for everybody. But that's a process. And there's plenty more stumbles along the way before I get there. So thanks for coming along. Here's some more blues. Be right back. short and sweet one here near the end of the show uh this phrase came to me in a conversation with my wife the other day and it just made me laugh so much i wanted to share it here we go marriage is a siege what do i mean by that i mean it takes a lot of work it takes a long time things don't pay off until years later some things you don't even realize haven't paid off until they finally do years later it is exactly like wine it has to sit for a long time. It has to mature. It has to grow. You have to stick with it. It is a war of attrition. It is a battle of wills. It takes so much out of you, but it gives so much back if you're willing to put in everything you have. To give all of yourself to another person. To realize how bad you are at that. 
and how many faults you have, and how you would never even have known about them unless you were in such close proximity to another person. Mm. Yeah, marriage is a gift as well, but it's one that can be tough to use. And that's why that phrase came to my mind. We were I forget what we were talking about, but just realizing, man, the good things that we have now that took such years to build and we had to endure so much pain to get to, marriage is a siege. Life is a campaign. It's a long and hard-fought battle. But it's worth fighting, and you can win it. You really can. Like I said, short and sweet. <laughs> and don't worry, we actually have a very good marriage. But we still have to work. Everybody does. So for those of you single people out there, don't put marriage on a pedestal. Because guess what? You're going to be a part of it. And that means it'll be hard work to get right. Can't recommend it enough, though. It's good stuff. All right. Just a few more blues before I come back and wrap things up. Enjoy. let's bring this home one last wondering for this episode here's how it came to me yeah it's funny how religiously we back up our you know settings and our pictures and our devices our hard drives we want to make sure that we don't lose what's on them right for any of you who've experienced this, you know, like losing a novel or a song or a, an email that you really, really needed, a picture that you really, really loved, it's it's devastating, right? And that's why we back things up. We want to keep extra copies so that we can restore what we may have lost. But isn't it interesting that life isn't like that? You can't back up your life. You can't recapture beauty or certain memories or loved ones that are gone. You can't restore them. They're in the past. They're over. There is only one copy of your lived experience, and that's you. And that, that's both sad and tragic, but it's also beautiful. Sad because we can never return to the past, never get back what we've lost. Some things are gone forever. But it's beautiful because it did happen, and we can remember it and pull that joy back into our hearts and let it drive us to create more beauty and more life moving forward. Life has no safety net. Life has no backup. <laughs> There's no OneDrive for you. You go through this one time, and every single moment is precious. And I think it's healthy to grieve what we lose, what we have to leave behind, the things we have to say goodbye to, the people that leave us. But there's a beauty in that grief, in knowing that it is not the final word, in knowing that that's not the end of the story. I hope the story you're living right now is full of beauty and full of adventure, full of light, full of justice, full of wonder. Live like there's no backup, because <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> it's just you. But that's a glorious thing. Thanks for wandering along these paths of wonder with me today. 
and get out there and live. Go sing your song. Tune up if you can, but no matter what you do, keep playing. I look forward to hearing what you come up with. That's all for this week, everybody. Uh, Looking forward to next time. I hope you enjoyed the rowdiness. I'm not sure that that was all that rowdy after all, now that I think about it. Anyway, uh, if you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and share, rate and review on whatever service you're on. That really helps people find the podcast. If you enjoyed it so much that you feel compelled to support in a more concrete way, just check the last link in the show notes. It says support. You can click it. Give a small amount monthly to help me keep doing what I'm doing. And I want to eventually do better stuff. Bring in more people. Really make it worth their time. I would love to spread this joy around. So if that's you, I thank you in advance. It may not seem like much, but uh, it really means a lot. You can reach out to me at revenantalien.com contact. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Medium. Just search at a revenant alien. That's my handle. I'm always around if you need to talk. And as always, if your wondering is leading you to the end of yourself and showing you transcendent realms that you don't know how to access, but know that you need, head to revenantalien.com searchers. I left you a map. If you follow it, I promise you, you'll find what you're looking for and get where you're meant to go. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you out there.